0: This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Just About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. I'm your host, Bev Jones. I'm an executive coach and an author, and my most recent book is Find Your Happy at Work. In today's show, we'll talk about the value of positivity in your work and how to get there. Our guest, Dr. Joey Fawcett, is a well-known expert on how positivity increases productivity and satisfaction on the job. Dr. Joey is an executive coach and a culture architect, and he's host of the Work Positive podcast. He's also a respected and prolific writer And today we'll talk about his book, Work Positive in a Negative World, the Team Edition. Dr. Joy will explain how a starting point for feeling more upbeat can be to perceive the positive elements at work. He'll suggest ways you can focus more intensely on the good things in your situation. He'll talk about how familiar thought patterns can keep you bogged down in negativity and he'll describe rituals that might help you get your day off to a good start. Dr. Joey, today I want to focus on your book, Work Positive in a Negative World. But first, you know, here at Jazzed About Work, we, we always like to hear about a guest's own career path, and uh, I'm really intrigued. How did you become an international, well-known expert on positivity, long before positivity became such a big thing. How, how did you find yourself having this as a calling, and how did you go about turning it into a career?
0: Well, Bev, you remind me uh, about the story of the young man that asked the, the older gentleman how he came to be so wise and the older gentleman said bad decisions (laughs) (laughs) fortunately fortunately (laughs) i've made plenty of mistakes early in my career uh both my own and others you know i refer to a negative culture as kevin culture uh the reason i do that bev is because i once was on a platform in front of i don't know hundreds and hundreds of people and and i just asked that question do you know who do you know that you work with that's always negative? And somebody literally shouted out a name, and then that inspired someone else to shout out a name. And so I was like, Uh-oh. okay, I, I've got to, i got to name this culture to protect the guilty. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what, what I, I, I started work really in an entrepreneurial enterprise as a nine-year-old selling inscribed Christmas cards door to door. Uh, in, in the summer, by the way, so you're standing there showing uh, a homemaker back then, um, a homemaker, uh, a Christmas card with frosty on it. Oh, that's it's so hard. Outside. Yeah, that was, uh, but, I, but I had uh, a cute smile as a nine-year-old, so, uh, so it started then. But then as I moved past my own solopreneur enterprises, and began working with other folks, I was, oh, just so blessed to um, to have some excellent leaders that I've written about. Uh, Bob Harper was one at the first AMFM radio station that I ever worked at. But later, uh, as I moved on through my career, I began to adopt the leadership patterns and styles of Kevin culture, because I was experiencing those Kevin cultures, and I was in my early 20s and young and impressionable, so I just assumed that this is the way we work today, and I found pretty quickly that that was not a good leadership style. That did not, um, first of all, honor and respect people, uh, and call out their best gifts, and and I just didn't like myself at that time, Bev, as a leader. It just it was disingenuous. I wasn't being authentic and transparent. So that's how I came to discover uh, ways to lead positively in a work culture and discovered pretty quickly, Bev, that it was far more than just uh, letting people do what they wanted or making it my job to make sure everybody was happy. Instead, it began to create this culture of personal responsibility, of fun, creativity and innovation. And so success followed wherever I went once I got on that trail. But uh, I I was a Kevin leader for a while and (laughs) it just just didn't work the way I wanted it to.
1: I noticed that you've been uh, described as a culture architect. Mm -hmm. Is that how that began, that you sort of noticed that you were in cultures that were very negative and you started trying to figure out how to create a different kind of atmosphere and set of practices when Mm -hmm. you were a leader?
0: Yeah, oh, exactly. And it also was informed by research that I did Back during the Great Recession of 07, 08, 09, along in there, um, I was home. Uh, I, prior to that, I was traveling a lot, speaking with groups and and really helping them begin to build those work cultures, even though I had yet to discover the work-positive framework. I was still um, speaking around the edges of it, if you will. Well, in 07, 08, 09... Um, G- training and development money went away. Meeting money went away. Consulting, coaching, all, all that money went away because nobody had any money, right? Uh, none of the companies did. And so my wife looked at me one day and said, isn't it time for you to travel, honey? And <laughs> I don't know whether she was asking for a divorce in a rather euphemistic way or <laughs> if, if, if it was, if she was just wondering why I was here so much. So uh, we, we had a good conversation. I explained to her that the cash cow I had been riding had been slaughtered, and uh, so we, I no. needed to find a different way of uh, motor transportation. So it was then that I began doing research into the Great Depression, back when depression was an economic instead of the more common medical term today. And my grandparents grew up in that, Bev, and so I grew up hearing stories about how difficult that time was economically. And I said, well, surely to myself, someone must have built a company, started a company in the midst of the Great Depression or just prior to and found ways of making it survive and even thrive in companies that are around today. So, yeah, I found uh, people like Bill Hewlett and Dave Packard. George Mahurl had started State Farm uh, maybe like seven years prior to 1929. He started in 22. And so he, he kept his company going. And I mean, they're about 19,000 agents strong now and, and just an immense economic juggernaut in our country in the insurance and financial industry. Um, and, and then there were others as well. Harlan Sanders um, with his infamous 11 secret herbs and spices and a few chicken legs and thighs, uh, went crisscrossing all over the place. Dale Carnegie left a Missouri farm, came yeah. into New York City, rented a room at the Y, and uh, during the Great Depression wrote, uh, how to Win Friends and Influence People. So my, my burning question, Bev, was what did these people know? What did they do? What were their daily habits, their activities? So that knowledge turned into changed behavior. Because for me, learning is better behavior. Um, I don't learn just to give intellectual assent to a group of facts, but rather what does it mean for my activity so i knew there had to be some habits and some activities that these great depression gurus as i came to call them uh, were displaying that created these marvelous companies so what did they do that i can do and so i began doing it and writing about it and discovering that it worked for others as well entrepreneur magazine noticed and uh, so the first work positive in a negative world book was published in 2011 to be followed by a book a few years ago two or three years ago, it came out, Work Positive in a Negative World, a team edition.
1: Well, it sounds like your focus at the beginning was very much on how to lead and how um, leaders can help shape a culture. Mm-hmm. But over time, you focused more on everybody I I was mm-hmm. looking um, at uh, work positive in a negative world um, redefine your reality and, and uh, achieve your work dreams is uh, mm-hmm. one of them and yeah. you're you're giving advice that managers on any level or team Mm -hmm. leaders or members of a team can use. Now, it's not just about the CEO or the C-suite. It's about all Mm -hmm. of us. What caused you to make your shift after you had focused on learning all this in the context of leadership? How did it become more about um, being positive at work?
0: Yeah, thanks so much for that question, because that really uh, encapsulates the journey from the first work positive book published in 2011 to the, the team edition of Work Positive in a Negative World, which came out two three years ago. What I noticed was that you, you always have to have buy-in in any culture transformation from the C-suite. The initiative only works if you have buy-in from the C-suite. However, to think that the C-suite is a be-all and end-all of the culture transformation is naive at best and short-sighted at worst. Because what happens, Bev, is the C-suite initiates the culture transformation, the positive work culture transformation, and immediately begins talking to their direct reports. And what happens is by the time it gets to mid-level manager, the mid-level managers are the leaders who really are the fulcrum on which this whole thing pivots this culture transformation they receive the initiative and um, the marching orders to go make this work positive culture transformation because here are the benefits of it blah 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 and it always includes a financial roi which is true however they then must interpret that for the teams and what we discovered was that Therein was the breakdown that the whole thing dammed up right there at the mid-level manager. Now these mid-level managers are wonderful people. However, they're spanning the gap, if you will. uh, Yeah. You just think about this as a great abyss and they've got one foot on one side, one on the other and are literally in a tug of war in so many organizations because there are so many organizations that are hierarchical now. And that's one of the shifts that we saw from 2011 to 2020 We began to flatten out organizations as well. So the dissemination of not only information, but of initiatives began to change and really required a better set of internal skills and leadership for making that transformation. So it just became apparent to me that rather than isolating the C-suite and expecting them to transform the organization or lead that initiative, that we really must appeal to teams as well as mid-level managers and empower everyone in the organization, give everyone in the organization the personal responsibility to be a part of the culture transformation to work positive. And in doing so, then we would infuse the DNA throughout the organization and teach those skill sets to everyone in the organization. That way you had a common language, a common jargon, and a common mission that everyone could adopt. And what we found is that the pace of change just became so much more rapid. Now Bev pair that with teaching coaching skills, training coaching skills for these mid-level managers in which the, they learn to when to manage and when to coach, right? Because there are times when they need to do those uniquely, but also to coach and bring out uh, the expert status from within their teams and do that in the midst of a positive work culture. So it's a formidable, fast, faster transformation to bring about a positive work culture when you use coaching for culture transformation.
1: That, that's that been my observation. Part of it is that so much happens when you have somebody really listening and asking questions that elicit, elicit real mm-hmm. information. And when people are being coached, they kind of learn how to coach. It's, it's part of the uh, <laughs> process that you learn that so much is putting aside your own negativity or the tough things that are happening to you today and you focus on the other person and that can, mm. that can be a positive shift itself, can't it?
0: Oh, it's a huge shift. When I begin to, as a manager, move from asking only test questions and that's traditionally what managers have done, and other leaders. We just ask test questions. Where is this report? You know, da, da 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 da. We're looking for information, those kinds of things. To transform, one must move from test questions to discovery questions, and so it's a collaborative process. Then, in which the manager sees the team members as experts in their own rights, sees that there's a great deal of untapped potential here that can move the company forward towards innovation and creativity which is a competitive advantage and must be in today's fast-paced world
1: well one of the things that you've said in in terms of um, creating a more positive culture is that um each of us can do better at Perceiving the positive at work. Now, a mm-hmm. coaching kind of environment can help that because we learn to listen better. But, but what mm-hmm. do you mean when you say we've got to start perceiving the positive?
0: Mm-hmm. When I studied the and researched those Great Depression gurus, Bev, I found uh, five sets of habits that I call core practices that were commonplace among them that led to the creation of a sustainable and thriving company, even in the midst of adversity. And so the first set of those habits or the first core practices, I like to call it is the perceived core practice. And this is the mental dynamic of a work positive culture. This is how you focus your thoughts on the positive, generally speaking, but specifically in a work environment, focus on the positive dynamics at work. And filter out the negative. Uh, notice that we didn't say ignore the negative, pretend it doesn't exist. <laughs> this is not a, yeah. a, a na- right. It's not a naive approach towards negativity. Uh, some days suck, and most of the time because of matters beyond our control, uh, whether it's economic uh, conditions or someone else's behavior. Some days are just like that. So teaching your brain which if you want to think of it as a muscle, if you want to train your brain literally to focus on the positive and see those things and to filter out the negative, acknowledge it, embrace it, and then move past it, you, you literally can do that. So as I like to say, Bev, uh, a work positive culture starts and stops in your head.
1: Yeah. Mindset is so critical, but all right, let's, let's say you're in a situation. Uh, maybe you've got a new client in your dealing with a a bunch of people at a a facility, and um, you're going to start with helping them to perceive the positive by changing Mm -hmm. their mindset, by thinking about it. Uh, For some people, it's really hard to even imagine that if if we have um listeners out there thinking well i'd like to be saying more positive but how can i do that how how do you help people kind of start to build the practice of noticing the positive do you have like journaling techniques Mm. or what do you do
0: yeah great great question um and so often you're told you know have a great mindset have a positive mindset have a positive attitude and things like that without being given the tactics for how to do that. So that's one of the unique things that your listeners will find when they go to workpositive.today. Our coaching programs and online resources really focus on those practical tactics. So to your point, one of the things that we teach in our seven keys to work positive coaching program is uh, about morning routine. What it is that you do in the morning And we really encourage a a media switch uh, from what we refer to as push media to more pull media. Uh, So many people try to tell us, oh, I just turn on the TV morning news for noise in the background. (laughs) I wish I could believe that, but that's... uh, Yeah. It's more than that. You're marinating your brain in negativity because morning news shows are set up to lead with the bloodiest topics if it bleeds it leads as a journalistic yeah yeah i was a news editor for a while so i mean I, i know about these things the worst news comes first if you um and usually it's a 20 to 30 minute cycle if you make it to the end of that 20 30 minutes you might get a warm and fuzzy story or something that might have a whiff of good news but usually you're so beat up by then So that by the time, uh, you know, so many of our companies are returning to work or if you're walking to your home office, right, and turn on Zoom or whatever it is that you're doing first thing in the morning for a team meeting. By the time you get there, you're crawling mentally because you've been inundated with so much, just barraged and beat up with so many bad news stories. Um, There's always a limitless supply of bad news because these news sources will, it's not enough bad news in your community. Why they'll go to Philly or New York or Chicago or, you know, Iran, Iraq, you know, someplace and, and import those stories into your local community. And you're literally marinating your brain. And, you know, if you want to think about it an arsenic gravy for the morning. Um, and by the time you get to your work there, there's, Your amygdala, and I won't geek out on neuroscience here, but your amygdala only needs bad news to circle your brain three times, and you no longer can distinguish, Bev, between fear and reality. And so So the reality that's imported through your television into your brain that morning becomes your work reality. And so it's not worth it to try to do something new, to innovate, to create. So if you'll just switch that around to we encourage people to take about 10 minutes it only takes 10 minutes now i spend much longer than this in the morning Um, but if if you want to just take 10 minutes in the morning take five minutes and read some positive literature uh, or listen to a positive book or something it can be anything uh any anything that it can be our book work positive team edition it can be somebody else's book uh whatever you want to listen to just take about five minutes and listen to that Then take another five minutes and look through your calendar for the day of the things that you expect to happen. I say it that way because (laughs) my my days typically don't turn out the way it's calendared. Uh, Something happens unexpected. So I, I program for that mentally, right? But just look through that and imagine the best outcomes, that can possibly come from these upcoming conversations. This is a visualization technique that's worked for athletes for years and years and years. Uh, Jack Nicklaus was the first one that I heard talking about it decades ago. Um, But just seeing the ball drop in the cup, right? So what are the best outcomes to these conversations, these activities that you're going to be engaged in today? Because you got a fifty-fifty chance. It can either be the best or the worst of experiences. So, <laughs>
1: yes, you yes. To
0: imagine it as the best, and and of course, study after study after study has been done about visualization techniques and how it affects even basketball free throw shooting percentages are the same when you do it mentally as you do it physically, right? And then do it physically. Uh, so it's it's a wonderful technique. Imagine the day is the best. And you'll be amazed at how much more energy you have when you're moving forward into your day and how much of a better day you have.
1: Well, I think I agree with you. And I, I do something like that. And I think it makes a huge difference, although it is hard to not look at the news, uh, but
0: it gets easier, even morning if, after morning. Yeah, it, yes,
1: <laughs> but even even if uh, you start your day off in that way, in that positive way, I think a lot of people have been saying negative things in their head for so long that mm. um, that something happens. a uh, uh, a, a mean phone call and suddenly you're in flight or fight uh, mode again. And you, your yep. mind just goes back to familiar patterns. And
0: that's mm-hmm. that's
1: really something to deal with, isn't it? Those familiar thoughts that, that I think we all struggle with.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. The, those Even if it's miserable, Bev, we're going to default to familiar thoughts 10 out of 10 times. That's why it's so important to have replacement thoughts in mind, and have those set responses that you begin, yes, they're unfamiliar. Yes, it's uncomfortable. I like to refer to it as sloppy first, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, thank, thank goodness my, my wife let me kiss her more than once because I'm sure that first <laughs> one when we were dating, I'm sure that yeah. first one was not my best effort, you know. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it, it, it is uncomfortable. Uh, I like to say, Bev, that All growth lies just beyond the edge of our comfort zone anyway. So it's okay. And you're exactly right. Your limbic system kicks in in your brain, or as I like to refer to it as caveman, cavewoman brain. The the ego's job is to protect us and to keep us from getting killed. So that's why the, the circle gets tighter and tighter around the familiar. You're marching off your mental map when you move into unfamiliar territory. However, the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And this literally, again, is that competitive advantage that companies can have by creating authentic, trusting, transparent cultures that are positive that allow persons to collaborate and to disagree agreeably for someone to question the leader about certain aspects to disagree with the leader. The, the, safety factor must be built in. If I'm going to disagree with my leader, I've got to know that I'm not going to get fired or it's not going to be held against me at my next performance evaluation. That competitive advantage then is expressed in innovation and creativity, and it's a direct result of unfamiliar thoughts. What if we did this? I know it sounds crazy, but what if we did that? One of the best examples I've found um, that has led to a huge success for a company is, uh, Jesse Cole's leadership of the Savannah bananas. Uh, they began oh, yes, yeah, a few years back as just a little quiet summer college baseball team. And now they're doing a 33 city tour. They've had over 500,000 people on their waiting list for tickets for, I don't know how long, probably the week after they started offering tickets for this city tour. And Jesse Cole and his team, uh, not the baseball team, but the marketing team, literally engage in an idea palooza, is what he calls it, weekly. And this is where they go full bore into the unfamiliar. If it's familiar, it's boring. And their mantra is discover what everybody else is doing and do the opposite. Just be that different. And that's what they've done. And we're seeing changes. For instance, a pitch clock's been introduced into Major League Baseball this year. I think it's a direct result of what Jesse and his team have been able to do in creating a fans-first experience for uh, for the Savannah Banana fans. It's amazing what can happen when you innovate and create and create that trusting, safe environment.
1: Well, positivity or negativity or emotions of any kind can be uh, contagious, can't they? And, and so mm-hmm. is a culture... Um, you're uh, a culture architect. So is part of that having people working on their own head game, but not only that, recognizing that we all have a part, everybody in the group has a part, because Mm. what we do impacts other people. Is that part Mm. of your system?
0: Oh, it is. That's the second core practice I discovered in the conceive core practice. And so we, we have certain norms and mores in our company, certain core values, ways that we interact with each other, which are established. Unfortunately, in most companies, well, better than 50% of the companies that we're exposed to and, and receive clients from, um, it's unwritten or it's informal. It's just not declared. And so you've got to figure it out, right? Um, but in the companies that are highly successful, like the Savannah Bananas and Jesse Cole's leadership and other companies that are creating intentionally a positive work culture, these things are stated. Here's how we roll. Here's what we do. Here's the way we do it. And in fact, it goes into those first interviews when you're seeking to attract top talent and it's the way you attract top talent. I mean, back to the Savannah Bananas, they've got waiting list of about 1500 persons who want to either do an internship or come work for their company. And, and yet you hear so many other people say, oh, I can't find people to work today. Uh, belonging, I think, is the key to all of this. And my friend Bob Johansson, in his new book, Office Shock, talks a lot about seven spectrums. One of those is purpose. That's, that's immensely important. Among those seven, however, another one is belonging. Um, we want to belong. And that longing must include some equity of exchange for me as a as a member of this company, because I'm giving up seventy percent of my waking hours, Bev, to to do this work. So what the work that I'm doing? How do we connect? And and this is a responsibility of leadership to provide clarity around this. Belonging gets defined by how I connect my daily task those. Priorities that I have, the things that, for which I'm held responsible, with the overall mission of the company, and those daily tasks are really an expression of my purpose and passion. How did that? How does that align with the cause of the company and the purpose of the company? And once I begin to see myself in this equity of exchange, where I understand myself as, you know, the old story about the stone cutter who's building a a, a temple, right? Um, I, I see myself cutting stone in this daily activity as leading to the creation of this temple. Uh, once I can do that, then my equity of exchange becomes so important for me. And I belong because I understand my place in this company. And I value other people who, with whom I also belong to this team who are doing something different, making their unique contribution. But it's still connected to the same purpose. So there's this something bigger than me to which I'm committed. And the company is providing either products or solutions that solve problems for company, other companies or for individuals. Right. And so I see my place in that. And when you can create that positive work culture of belonging, Bev, you're off to the races. Work is fun. Um, time, you, you get in the flow so much faster. Time is irrelevant because you look up and suddenly, wow, a couple of hours have passed. I've been in the flow all this time. When that trust and safety, the authenticity and transparency of your culture is such that each person understands they belong, then that's a work positive culture.
1: I love the way you frame that. We've talked of quite a few times actually on jazz About Work about the importance of the individual's goals and values and tasks and activities being aligned with the organization and the values and mission and so forth. But I haven't heard it framed in that exact way about belonging. And I think that's mm. that's very rich. And it sounds like, of course, we've mentioned the book, and uh, I do think work positive in a negative world is a great place to begin. But say, there's somebody out there listening right now and wants to get a little more of it and 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 mm-hmm. and more of your tips would you tell us a bit about the website because it's, it's a robust place to go right it's not just an ad for the book
0: oh goodness no 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 it's not about me Bev it's about helping persons create especially leaders uh and team members create a positive work culture and doing what they can right where they are. Yeah. Well, first of all, wherever you buy your books, um, if you uh, want a digital copy of work positive in a negative world team edition, I become just consumed with the need to get this information out there. It's 99 cents at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and other places where you buy your books, the digital copies are. So that's a very low cost of entry for anybody. So you can buy not only yours, but you can gift your entire team. It's story-based. I love to tell stories. Obviously, I'm from the South, and so I'm used to sitting around uh, Sunday dinner tables and on porches and rocking chairs telling stories, right? So there's tons of stories in there. it's, It's not your... Your more prototypical uh, boring business book, <laughs> okay? So it's fun to read, yeah. And uh, there're coaching boxes there that you can stop and contemplate. And there are QR codes in there where you can jump right into our the website that you're talking about there with the Work Positive Community, and you can answer those questions and you can read other people's answers and really get a flavor of what peer-to-peer learning internationally is like as you seek to create your own positive work culture with other persons who are trying to do that around the world. The other thing you'll find when you go to workpositive.today, Bev, is a free course called Something to Talk About. One of the huge indicators I discovered some decades ago for a negative work culture is the way we use our words. Words matter, and they Some words are heavier than others. Some person's words are heavier than others. However, the way we talk about work really reflects our inner game of work and the attitudes and predispositions we bring to work. And so something to talk about are six modules, they're video based, they're short videos, like three or four minutes each. There are activities there. There are other persons commenting on those videos that you can read right along with them. You can interact with them right there on the platform. And so if you'll go to workpositive.today, when you get on that homepage, just scroll all the way down to the bottom and you'll see, we just ask for your name and email address just so we can deliver the free course to you. promise we won't spam you, right? We'll only send you information that helps you continue to grow your work positive culture.
1: Well, thank you very much for that. That's work positive today and i love the way you've created a work positive community and i really appreciate your uh being here today i think being a soldier in support of positivity is one of the best things that we could be doing these days and i appreciate what you're doing dr joey thank you so much
0: thank you bev i appreciate the opportunity to be jazzed about work with you
1: have a great day you too Today, we've been talking with positivity expert, Dr. Joey Fawcett, about how to work positive in a negative world. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Beverly Jones, author of Find Your Happy at Work. And our sponsor is the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Service at Ohio University. Today's tip is that if you're feeling negative at work, one way to shift your mindset is to quickly write a list of three things that are positive in your current situation. Thanks for listening to Jazz About Work. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help us spread the word.